Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to play one of America's fastest-growing game sensations. How did the host do? That's right. Oh, this is a popular one. How did the host do? As always, representing the tens and tens of people listening to this here wretched radio program, our very own Handsome. Like it turned into a wrestling match. Handsome. <laughs> Jimmy Hicks, are you prepared for your earnest responsibility to determine how did the host do? Terrible. You don't think uh, you're up for the task? No, I said terrible. I haven't done it uh, yet. Not yet, not yet. I'm sorry. You jumped the gun on me. <laughs> okay. I would like to share with you uh, something that was sent to me via email that I want to play because it's funny. And it happens to be a personal issue of mine. In fact, it goes deep. In fact, wow, when I when I dug down really deep to find the root of my grammar Nazism. Did I say that correctly? See how concerned I am? (laughs) Down at the bottom, I think that it has to be nothing but pride. Or it was my ninth grade English teacher wrapping my knuckles painfully every time I didn't use an adverbially correct. This is a skit that was sent in. My job is to make it Christian radio. Jimmy, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Here's the spoof. Hey, aren't we all in the same English course? Oh, yeah. How's it going? Uh, Not bad, except I sometimes have trouble with my grammar, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I perfect, but other times I don't, won't they? See, I'm all right with my grandma. My problem is spilling. I can't spill to save my loaf. Yeah? Yeah. After relying to spell chalk on my computer. Look at it this way. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't eat it, too. You know what I'm saying? No, no, not really. Oh, I I think that she sometimes has trouble mixing metaphors, aren't she? Yeah. Sorry, you guys. I'm always crying over spilled chickens before they're hatched. It's all right for you all. I've got a very small vocabulary. What's that like? It's all right for you all. I've got a very small vocabulary. That's okay. I have problems with my emphasis. Your emphasis? Yes, my emphasis on different parts of the sentences. In my job, that can cause a lot of awkwardness. What do you do? I'm a speech therapist. A speech therapist that can't spike properly. It's all right for you all. I've got a very small vocabulary. Can I make a suggestion? Why don't you purchase a dictionary? You'll save yourself a lot of embarrassment. I tell you what, why doesn't we all try studying together, isn't it? How doesn't next week sound, didn't we? Great idea. Fabulous. Yeah, you give him an inch, it's worth two in the bush. <laughs> it's all right for you all. I've got Shut up! 
<laughs> My worst nightmare come true. So, Jimmy, before you get to judging me, because I haven't yet made the attempt to turn what we've just heard into Christian radio, would you be surprised to know that there's a lot of these types of spoofs on the Internet, which actually makes me very happily because I'm not alone in my grammar Nazism-ness. Bad grammar breakup. A boy and a girl meet in a park. Jennifer, we has to talk. Tell me it. What's on your mind, Mark? I hasn't been happy for a real long time now. You won't mean that. I'm afraid I am mean it. But you told I that you loved I. And I am, Jen. I really am. I love you. I just don't in love with you. Not anymore. Name one way why. Look, it aren't you. It's me. I'm changed. But Mark, honey, don't you remember them good times? Remember what you and me went to Nantucket Island? Just two of both. We was happy then, wasn't we? I'm sorry, but I can't change where I feel. I'm tried. Lord knows I'm tried. I gave you the best years of my life. How dare you? Oh, please, like you ain't see this coming, be an adult. Probably deserve these. <laughs> you deserve more than that. What What was wrong with that one? <laughs> that that sounded like my hometown. Achingly familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do we take a subject of a grammar and turn it into a Christian radio? Well, we remember that everything has a string attached to God. There is nothing on this planet, probably should say nothing not sinful on this planet, that does not have a direct connection to heaven. Why? Because everything emanates from God. Everything. And it does us well on occasion to remember that because it helps us, I think, to appreciate how amazingly creative God is. Smell. Go ahead. You're, you're, you're somehow a divine being, and you're putting together a planet. Would you have come up with the idea of, all right, there are going to be certain things that emanate something that goes inside of this, well, I guess I'm going to have to create a nose, nose that's going to have some sensors to receive the chemicals that it's putting off that don't taste, but they, well, I guess smell like, you, you can't even define smell, really. Now, you can use other words, but that's just a mere synonym trick. Define smell. What is that? Well, it's stuff gives off. Well, why does stuff give off? Why do you have receptors to receive what it's giving off? How do you organize those things to send a sense to your brain that says either Mmm, Zaxby's or whoa, Waffle House. What is smell but God's brilliant 
creation. And the same thing is true with every other aspect of our lives. We see court systems because God has a court system. We love justice because God is a God of justice. We love stories about heroes. Why? Because God has written the most amazing story ever told. Everything that we experience here that is good comes from God, and that includes communication. That includes the ability. This is why evolution is so utterly preposterous. What came first? The concept of communication the language to communicate the or the ability to communicate. You see, all of those things would have to happen simultaneously in order for there to be oral communication. We know, however, that evolution is ridiculous in virtually every regard, that God created communication. And he has given us the ability to communicate in a far more sophisticated way than anything else. It doesn't mean that a dog can't bark was hitting out on the back deck before getting devoured by southern skeeters, which you can't see, called no seams. And a couple of blue jays started squawking. I learned why a hawk landed on the fence. They were communicating danger, Will Robinson, and the other animals seemed to get it because there wasn't a squirrel or a chipmunk to be found. But they don't communicate to the level and degree of sophistication that humans do. Why? Because, well, we're better in the creative order. And we are the ones who can communicate big ideas. We are image bearers of God with that unique gift. And that means when you and I do it goodly, we're communicating like God who communicates excellently. His grammar is perfect. His communication is never fuzzy. We're the receptors that have the problems with getting what he clearly writes. You know, for instance... You know, things like 1 Timothy 2.12, Romans 13.1 through 7, just to name a couple. We get it confused, but he clearly communicates. And that is why we should be sending our kids to grammar school or homeschooling them with the English language so that we can communicate correctly because God communicates correctly each and every time. And to fail to strive for that sort of clarity is to not play our role as best we could, which should motivate and incent us to actually study grammar. Not because you're going to have a ninth grade teacher who beats your knuckles with a ruler. It's not that I'm still a little bit sour about that. But because when we clearly communicate, we are acting like God. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Order in the court. Well, Jimmy, how did I do? I Go, ahead. Go ahead. Be honest. What? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you up front. I don't care what grade you give to me. <laughs> I was going to play those skits no matter what. <laughs> well, that are okay, I guess. <laughs> Have your kids study grammar because when they do, they are becoming more and more like their maker. This is Wretched Radio.
Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. As you know, Philippians 4.1 says to stand firm in the Lord. Speaking of standing firm, we are so grateful for your support in helping us to reach millions with the gospel. But I do have a question. Have you ever prayerfully considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Why is that a question that I ask nearly daily? Well, you know we're all about creating compelling, efficient, and theologically sound productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transform. But it's your generosity that helps us to be able to produce that content. And as you may or may not know, you never have to worry about your donations with us. We're members in good standing with the ECFA, which means we are totally accountable and careful with every single penny you donate. To become a gospel partner, it's simple. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1793. William Carey sails as a missionary to India. In the next 40 years, he would oversee more Bible translations than had previously been produced in all of Christian history. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This be it. 
This is Wretched Radio. It appears there's a whole lot of fear going around. A case in point, a lot of young people terrified of global warming. I'm sorry, climate change. No, we're cooling. What are we doing? The whole place is falling apart. People are terrified and becoming incapacitated, not able to function because they are believing the narratives that says human beings have the ability to destroy the earth. Silly rabbit, read Revelation. God does that. He's the only one who can. Nevertheless, according to the American, the American conservative.com, 59% of 16 to 25 year olds in the U.S., England and Australia and seven other countries are very or extremely worried about climate change. Whoa. And nearly half say they cannot function normally because of weather-related anxieties. There is an awful lot of mm, sarcasm that could be implemented at this moment. That wouldn't be very helpful, now would it? The reality is, for whatever reason, young people seem to be pretty terrified of what's going on in the world should lead us to ask some questions. And it's not about whether or not the global warming ruse is true. I'm sorry, did I tip my hand on that? But to ask the question, how can we help these people? The church has a little something to say about the subject of fear. People are terrified of living on this planet these days. And it really shouldn't surprise us that they are. Because we've got people who are not tethered to reality. They don't understand where we've been, what we're doing, where we're going. How, how do you feel at work when that's the case? How would you feel as a child? Just get in the car. I'm not telling you. Just got, we're, go, just, we're leaving. Well, what, what's happening here? Same thing in a classroom. If you don't understand the direction that, 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 that the organization is moving toward, it has a tendency to cause a little bit of angst. And so it is with an untethered world. And we shouldn't see this as yet another opportunity to make fun of people because they're afraid that the storm that we saw in California means that it's coming to the end of time. Although I have to tell you, I could be tempted to make that case. Jimmy, did, I don't know if you tracked that storm that happened in California. Uh, I did not. Okay. The big rains, there, was, there was, wasn't going to be a hurricane level. The winds were not going to be blowing, but oodles of rain. And we saw that and we saw the flooding. But then there was an earthquake at the same time. Hold on. And then a tornado. Ray Comfort actually sent it to me. Now we're getting a tornado. Hey, I'm pretty certain that's a verse in the book of Revelation. What's going on in California? Now, I don't know that this is right, but Jimmy, that verse that I'm imagining exists in the Bible uh -huh. about tornadoes and earthquakes and floods simultaneously taking place, if you take every fourth letter from that verse, it actually spells judgment on Governor Newsom. I don't know if you knew that. It's, it's wow. a hidden cove, code right inside of the Bible. Wow, and you cracked it. Like, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there on cracking those codes. Uh, that one is called equidistant lettering system, and then there's another one, Gematria. 
you assign the letter of the alphabet, whether it's Hebrew or Greek, you assign a letter of the alphabet, a number, and then you go, you add those numbers up and then it spells, it tells you a secret message. That's not the way God communicates. He's not subtle. He's not cryptic. He tells us what he's planning on doing. And even though he used apocalyptic language in Revelation, that doesn't mean we don't know how this whole shebang is going to wrap up. He is going to burn up the place. Don't worry about global cooling. That ain't going to happen. Don't worry about global flooding. There used to be a symbol that Christians could use to remind us that God's never going to flood the world again with water. But somebody hijack that symbol. You don't have to worry about the world ending that way. And you don't have to worry that man is going to be able to somehow heat the place up and we're all going to die. God's going to do that. He's going to, he's going to come back in judgment, a roaring lion. And he is going to make sure that justice is satisfied. And he is going to reign on a new earth that he purged of wickedness. That's the future. Now, does that mean that we can't be mm, somewhat fearful of that? I mean, come on. He, he has us on his team. He's our friend. He's our brother. But let's be honest, when he returns and this place goes up somehow in flames to purge it and prepare it, to, to then have a new heaven and a new earth where there will never again be sin or disease or sorrow or sadness, uh, it's going to be a little bit awesome. By the way, isn't it interesting? How we have perhaps moved away from the early church in our expectation of that return. It's kind of a theme in the Bible. He's coming quickly. Be, be just be on ready. It could. It's imminent. It's going to happen any second. Be ready. Jesus talked about this, did he not? And being ready for the Son of Man's return, and we're not. Instead. We think that we're going to burn up the place, and people are terrified. According to a special 2020 issue of the Journal of Anxiety Disorders, how much anxiety do we have? Enough to have a journal. Instances of panic attacks, insomnia, obsessive thinking, substance abuse, and depression are increasingly associated with fears of an environmental catastrophe that many people feel powerless to stop. All right. You want a segue to the gospel. What could I talk to somebody about that would get me there? Here it is. Hey, I just read something that the majority of people, especially young people, are losing their ability to function at 100% because of their concerns about global warming, whatever you want to call it, climate change, that the places we're wrecking the ozone or whatever. Ask them, does that scare you? Why are you afraid of that? Hmm. Have you ever wondered what Christianity says about what casts out all fear? Let me tell you about that. And boom, you are right there. The blame for this development can be entirely ascribed to politically motivated hyping of weather reports, or has something more profound happened to our culture which makes such catastrophic prophesying seem credible than it otherwise would be? Yeah. People are untethered and they're terrified. And by the way, don't think your kids aren't getting this message too. Really, don't, don't, don't think, well, my kids, we, we talk about how ridiculous the whole climate change business is. 
Don't think that they don't hear otherwise elsewhere. How is it possible that school children in the 1950s, despite being regularly drilled to scramble under their desks in the event of an atomic blast, because we all know that school desks, whew, they're like Teflon, just makes the atoms bounce right off. They went on to live, let's just say, in general, non-fearful lives. But kids today experience clinical symptoms when a heat wave makes its way through Texas in July. There, there's some, some oranges froze in California. I remember that when I was a kid. Is it really about too many green ideologies interpreting the weather or ideologues? And, and the answer is, well, that's fanning the flames. But fear of the future and death. This is a fear of death issue. Let's use this as an opportunity. And might I just suggest, by the way, in case you are a bit fearful, you say, I'm not afraid. Let me ask you then, how did you react when you read the headline or saw the Fox News report that masks are returning? Bum, bum, bum. Here's a headline from AP News. Not AP News. My apologies. This is from American Greatness. The Biden administration planning to re-implement COVID mask mandates and lockdowns beginning this fall. And there's a university in Georgia someplace. They're making the kids wear masks again. Okay. Could that happen? Yeah, I guess it could. I'm not going to waste a second worrying about it because I don't think there's anything I can do to affect that decision. But am I going to live my life in fear of that? Do you hear that and just go, believe me. Is there anybody who is fond of masks? Are are we perhaps inclined to be fearful? And now I know this verse is specifically in the context of judgment to come, but perfect love casts out fear. How can I apply this to issues like mask mandates or supposed climate change threats? Well, because Jesus told us to fear God way more than we fear man who can merely kill the body. Fear God. Fear isn't necessarily sinful. It can be your friend. Fear God and you will fear mass, climate change, and man a whole lot less. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up, the Los Angeles Unified School District, better known as LEUSD, recently hosted a training session centered around the well-being of sexual and gender diverse girls. The webinar was led by Aiden and Johanna Olson Kennedy, two champions of transgender activism. These are folks deeply involved in facilitating gender transition treatments for minors, so basically allowing children to permanently mutilate their bodies. Attendees of this fine soiree did not just walk away with enlightenment, but they also got some salary points and continuing education credits. Oh, that's great. Expand the dialogue, I say, just in one specific direction, because that's a march toward progress, right? And speaking of protecting the vulnerable, let's shift gears a moment and talk about beliefs in American Protestant churches. A Lifeway research study says that 52% of American Protestant churchgoers believe their church encourages them to give more money so that God will bless them. 
That's up 38% from 2017. Moreover, 76% believe God wants them to prosper financially. Scott McConnell, who heads Lifeway Research, warns that such growing trends align more with prosperity than it does with the actual gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is, as I get older, I start to realize that we see more people in more churches cling to prosperity and temporary blessings and temporary riches here on earth because there's never been a real clear understanding of what eternity is going to be for the Christian. I think a renewed emphasis on the beauty involved and contained in eternal things is really called for right now. Now, Lastly, in Austria, two Muslim teenagers aged 15 and 16 have been sentenced to two years in prison for conspiring to kill Christians in a middle school. The teenagers were found to have discussed making explosives and obtaining weapons to shoot all Christians in the class. Dutch investigators are responsible for uncovering the ploy. The sentence includes probation, de-radicalization training, and anti-violence training. You know, I'm all for the sentence, but I do wonder if two years and a few classes are going to be sufficient to remove such hatred. That's only going to come to the gospel, but let's hope in some way that's a part of it. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians to further encourage and instruct them in the face of persecution. Some Thessalonians feared that they had missed the Lord's return. Paul reminds them that God will punish those who persecute the church, and he will be faithful to return for his people. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Wretched Radio. My name is Todd. What, what that was you, so much worse than I expected. What are you doing? That's I don't even know for sure. I was supposed <laughs> to be making horse songs. <laughs> That's the best I me me. <laughs> you say why am I making horse songs? Well, it's not to show off my impressions. Instead, it's because I'm becoming a minotaur. That's right, a minotaur. You say. What is that? I say Fox News headline. Feminist medical school professor says trans kids identifying as minotaurs are part of the gender revolution. Can people be simultaneously brilliant and really unwise? Yes, because intelligence and wisdom are two different categories. And you're going to see that in full bloom. This is a self-identified feminist who supports a gender revolution, is the director of mental health and chief psychologist at the UCSF. That would be University of California, San Francisco, at the Children's Hospital Gender Development Center. How nice. Putting your brilliance to work, mutilating children. She claims that children can identify as minotaurs. What's a minotaur? It's derived from Greek mythology. It was a unique creature which had the body of a man and the head of a bull. And guess what? We've now determined kids are just like that. Quote, I totally agree we are in the midst of a gender revolution and the children are leading it. No, we're shoving our children into it and doing wicked, cruel, 
perverted things to them. Quote, and it's a wonderful thing to see. And it's also humbling to know children know more than we do about the topic of being gender expansive. Oh, good. Jimmy, we've been doing this all wrong. Yeah. You're home. It is upside down, Daddy. Oh, you need to let the kids start ruling the roost. We need to let the inmates run the asylum. This is this is a brilliant mind that is totally darkened. Kids know more than we do about being gender expansive. Now, they can be more easily persuaded, lady, and that is why so many people are making the effort to, sorry, groom them. I don't know if I mentioned this. Mrs. Friel sent me a meme. And it's why is it that all the drag story hours are in libraries and public schools and not the nursing homes? Why, why, why are we insisting that that's the pregame entertainment at the football stadium? Why? Because there might be enough people who are not so darkened that they would boo it and kick it out. Why do they seem to be going after the kids? Good question. This doctor cited her. This is where she comes up now with her brilliant conclusion. Jimmy, get ready for this. She cited her conversation with a seven-year-old as proof there can be gender minotaurs and hybrids. And just in case you don't know what those things are, I got it for you from National Review. A gender Prius, it's... it's Like the car? Well, yes. <laughs> half girl, half boy. Then you've got a gender minotaur, which is one gender on top and a different gender on the bottom. Oh, gender by season, one gender during the school year and another over the summer. <laughs> Just like that. It's like that. The bell rings and you become a different gender. Boom. Who knew it was so easy? What a low view of man. Gender by location. At home, one gender. Elsewhere, another. I think they just call that sneaking around is what I think. Yeah. Deceiving your parents is what that's all about. Here's the seven-year-old conversation with the brilliant doctor. A boy twirled in my office and said to me, you see, I'm a Prius. I'm a boy in the front and I'm a girl in the back. Well, that settles it, Jimmy. It must be true. It's got to be. Yeah. And no, by the way, the government has decided we're going to let this child vote, bear firearms, go into the military and drive a car. That's what's next. Uh, yeah. They know more about those things than we do, silly rabbits. Most of the kids who are on who are gender minotaurs love mermaids. So make sure you have a lot of mermaid books. If you really think about it, it works. Um no, I I don't think it does work. No matter how much I think about it. By the way, there is actually a little lesson to be learned in this. What is so obvious when you look at that's a boy, that's a girl. It's just like, duh, there it is. How much time does somebody need to persuade a sane individual that what they're observing with their eyes isn't so? If somebody has to write books and books and books explaining how it is that a boy can be a gender Prius, which is a boy on the top and a girl on the bottom or whatever it is, it, if it takes so long, maybe it's because it just isn't true. And the same thing is true with the Bible verse. If you read a verse and realize it's so clear, 
This is, I mean, that's just really clear. And somebody comes along and says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand that verse. And it takes them, like an article I just read on First Peter about we being a royal priesthood, a royal nation, uh, and, and how that is our identity as opposed to citizens of a country. Uh, if it takes you that long to unwind it, maybe it's because you're having to spend way too much time, effort, to try to flip upside down what is clearly right side up. Be careful of that. There's some really clever people who have the ability to say, you know, it looks like that we've understood it this way, but let me just show you. And they, they build a case. Well, you see, there's this. And if you, if you consider that, and if you understand the way the Greek word was used then, and we found it once in the Septuagint used like this, and then if you consider what happened at the American Revolution, and then when pancake syrup was invented, that's why this verse says something different. Oh, okay. Be careful. Plain things are plain. Main things are main. And if somebody unwinds what seems to be pretty obvious, uh, chances are they're the ones that need an education and not you. Jimmy, do you recall last week we were doing all kinds of mailbag questions? Yes. If you had to pick one that kind of like when that sticks out in your brain, which one was it? It was it was definitely a conundrum. Do you remember? Mm. It was a it was it was a woman uh-huh. asking about a husband. Okay. Yes. 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 What was it? Um, the lady that was asking about her husband doing what? I don't. Thinking he's becoming a girl. Can it, somebody divorce oh, a spouse? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get Glad it. I could help. I thank you. <laughs> it, was, it was about, wait a second. Now, suddenly, my husband thinks he's a she. What do I do? There's, there's a brave new world question for you. Huh. Look at this. From Christian Post, Al Mohler weighs in on if SBC may have to clarify female pastor ban due to trans ideology. <laughs> oh, man. And the answer is probably <laughs> that there's going to be some dude who now looks sort of like a caricature of a lady. Does that mean that that person can't because it's a biological, but, but presenting at what a world. What a world. Five fatal flaws in transgender ideology. One, the design of the body proves there are only two genders. That should be pretty obvious. This is, by the way, posted on Christian Post from Frank Turek. wonder how he's doing. Number two, transgenderism must presuppose fixed genders. This is clever. If I'm a biological man, think I'm a woman, I must have some idea about what a man or a woman is to recognize my problem. I must also know that a man and a woman are to make the so-called transition. What does that look like? If genders are completely fluid with no fixed reference points, there'd be no way to recognize the mismatch in biology and psychology. No destination for your transition. Good point. Number three, you can change your mind, but not your biology. <laughs> Boy. I can change my mind about, you know, I was going to have the grilled chicken sandwich without lettuce or tomatoes with honey mustard on the side, but I think that I'm going to have barbecue sauce on the side instead. I can do that, but I can't become a grilled chicken sandwich. Number four, 
Sex is not assigned at birth. For transgenderism to succeed, people, they've got to believe this, that it's arbitrary and can be assigned, but everybody knows it's not assigned. It is simply revealed at birth. Number five, there's no basis for transgender rights. Where do they come from? Rights can only come from God. And without that, then everything is just opinion. So there can't even be any sort of constancy in genders unless there's a standard who said, this is a pink, this is a blue. And of course, we know it's God who did that. The transgender ideology and movement, it's making its way now into families, into marriages, into churches, and whilst I agree, we can use all kinds of clever writings like Frank just did. Um, when people don't have the ability to do clever or logical, they need something supernatural. Oh yeah, regeneration. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you, and it will empower you to help others, too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? 
Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting Scripture. When reading the Bible, begin with these three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What difference does it make? Many common mistakes can be avoided with basic hermeneutics. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. So you know how this goes. In my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers, I have all of this stuff you've been sending that we request is emailed to idea at wretched.org. Stories, articles, sermons, anything wretched, you send it, and a lass, or a lad, whatever you're identifying as, it doesn't fit into one tidy package. So what do you do? You play some theme music and call it Wide World of Christian Stories. I nailed that, Jimmy. I absolutely nailed that. I, I Look, I'm not trying to feel better about my radio chops just because you did that excellently for 20 years. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. I killed that. Okay. You don't have to affirm it. So, it's okay. I don't need any sort of affirmation. Okay, so we just now need to give Todd a raise. <laughs> I'm telling Jimmy, I see more emails with that request. Oh, do you have pseudonyms? Do you have different email addresses? Is that you? <laughs> it's me. Sending yeah. all of those in. <laughs> yeah. Let's travel the globe, shall we? Uh, starting with Iran. Oh, this is, oh, as you would anticipate, this has the feminists up in arms in America. Iran forces women defying hijab laws into psychiatric treatment. Hillary, and I don't mean the hurricane. You know, there's a joke there someplace. Oh, yeah. A Hillary would, oh, she sent a strongly worded letter to the Iranian government telling them they dare not have women go to psychiatric treatment for being subjugated to men and refusing. I'll, as soon as that letter surfaces, we'll share that. And as long as we're speaking of political women, how's it about Ann Coulter? I remember Ann Coulter. I never met Anne, but I did go to see her because I wondered what this would be like. And it was everything I expected and less. She, she spoke at, a, at a, a major, a mega church here in Atlanta. And I remember, oh boy, she came out onto the stage with a skin tight dress that barely covered her. But she did put a sweater on, you know, because she was in a church. And basically, it was a an hour-long political presentation that began with a prayer and that ended with a benediction. And Coulter, now, well, that would be about, what, five, six years later, seven, ten years later, something like that. And Coulter warns Republicans on abortion. Oh, she's been tweeting since Dobbs. Voters haven't approved abortion restrictions in all caps any state. They've rejected abortion restrictions in Kentucky, Montana, Michigan, Kansas, Vermont, and California, now Ohio. So what's the implication? 
quote, by the time Republicans notice states keep voting in favor of abortion, there will be no elected Republicans left. Well, that's called pragmatism. That's also called compromise. That is apparently the current state of one and Coulter, from whom we haven't heard much these days. Apparently, the church gigs dried up and Fox doesn't have her on anymore. But she's tweeting about how Republicans should change their position on the issue of life, because if you don't, you're not going to win. I thought that was the very type of compromise that she eschewed for so many years. Lesson, well, perhaps put your hope in a famous political pundit. Chances are pretty good. You're going to be disappointed. Put your hope into a party. Chances are pretty good. You're going to be disappointed. No, I didn't say to vote red. I didn't say that. But I am saying political parties, they, they will be pragmatic. They will do what is necessary to win. Don't be shocked if it ain't long before the issue of abortion is completely compromised in the Republican Party. Furthermore, don't be shocked when the LGBTQ issues and marriage issues just aren't that big of a deal anymore. I get it. The economy is a big thing. It impacts all of us. But if we are going to be consistent Christians, I I, I truly, I get this. I, I, I remember the critique of people who really despised Donald Trump and would say, you know, you Christians, you used to care about morality. Well, first of all, we still do. However, when it comes down to voting for somebody, you're going to take the person who's most in alignment with pro-human biblical values. So I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can explain that adjustment. Compromising on the life issue? Nope. There's no explanation. That would just be total sellout. Compromising on the issue of marriage and genders and the trans issue. It's going to be interesting to see these debates and how much this subject is talked about. I suspect the Democrats will bring it up a whole lot more than the Republicans will. And how many Republicans end up compromising or totally jettisoning values we used to say were Litmus test issues. Jimmy, I got some good news for you. Oh, you do? Well, good news, then bad news. Which do you prefer? Uh, Both has to do with the internet. Okay, the good news. All right, here it is. Age restrictions on pornography websites are actually working. This is from the National Review in Louisiana. Pornhub's traffic dropped 80% since the state passed a pornography age verification bill that requires users to prove they are 18 or older. The pornography website halted operations in Utah, Mississippi, and Virginia, three states in which restrictive laws have been in place for months. That's actually some pretty good news. No, doesn't change the heart. Nobody got saved from it. We can celebrate that sort of legislative success, can't we? But don't be deceived. That is not the end of our concern. We want more for kids. We want more for adults than mere, let's just call it, air quote, human flourishing. We want human regeneration and salvation. Here's the bad news. This, mm. this, this is, you know, this doesn't agitate me in this instant. It could. It doesn't agitate me as much as grieve me. Have you been reading about the new AI app? that lets users ask Jesus questions. Now you can text with Jesus and other biblical figures. 
You can you can have them write prayers for you. It was it, this has been going on for a bit, but now they think that they've got this down where people and they're sending them in by the millions, by the way. There's, hey, Jesus, what do you think about? Hey, you want to know what Jesus thinks? He's already spoken. You don't need to go to an AI machine and let it cobble together whatever the designer has already determined you should hear. Make no mistake about it. AI will always be subservient to humans. And they can't operate without us. And the questions that get asked of AI will be the answers of that programmer. And we have a book. You know, it reminds me of Milton Vincent. I've heard him say this a few times. It is a great question. Pastor, feel free to rip this off because you can just, I'm giving you permission to take it from me, even though I'm stealing it from Milton. You, you want to know how to get to heaven, he asks. Why don't you ask the one who actually holds the keys to that kingdom? Instead of imagining how it is that you might obtain eternal life, why not go to the book that tells you in crystal clear terms what you must do in order to be saved? Why do you keep going to AI? Why do you keep going to a psychic? Why do you keep going to your cobbled together imaginations about what the afterlife? Ask the one who runs the place. He'll tell you. Feel free to take that as you see fit. To Danville, that would be in Indiana. Bioresponse Solutions, working on body liquefaction, Jimmy. It, it, what is that? Not, not a shock that cremations are up. And we've done a video on that. We've done a couple of programs on that. And it's not a sin to get cremated. My, my take on it is that burial is better theology applied. It, it speaks a better word. I don't think it's a sin to get your body turned into ashes. Don't worry. The Lord will put it back together. I get the economics of it. I truly do. You can't make a law where there is no law. But I think burial points to the hope of the resurrection and a higher view of the body. Now, this group, BioResponse, the leading manufacturer of alkaline hydrolysis equipment, used to reduce deceased humans and animals to liquid and ash, requiring less energy. Whew. Grateful for that because, Jimmy, I don't know if you know this, but all those electric cars, they don't require any energy. <laughs> no, 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 nothing needs to be utilized to generate that. The company is not an active funeral home and legally can't process humans, but it does use deceased animals to show potential buyers how the equipment works. Wow. They ship about 100 chambers each year across the globe. A mixture of pet and human machines. Nice. To provide a more sustainable, less fuel-intensive alternative to cremation. Well, I guess if I'm going to be consistent, you would have to say liquefaction isn't any more sinful than cremation. But it is a reminder we're living in a post-Christian world increasingly the view of God goes down and so does our view of man. Our anthropology is so limping these days. Burial just speaks a better word. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.